0: Hey everybody, and hey, welcome guys. back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. Yes. We were so excited for today. We, I've been excited, Stacy, for this episode. I don't know for. I was thinking about asking them for three months before we asked them to do this interview, and when they said yes, I've been excited ever yeah, since. But absolutely. today we are interviewing some of our closest and most mm-hmm. lifelong friends, um, Jason and Angie Brown. Jason and Angie are the founders and pastors of the 1910 Church in Bernie, Texas, which is just outside of San Antonio. Uh, they have been in ministry for over 30 years, and we have known them now for, gosh, 32—we don't want to date ourselves too bad—but over 30 years. And we've mm-hmm. been great friends. So we so, met
1: when we were seven. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So that's good. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Jason and Angie are on the road and they joined, uh, are joining us virtually today and have agreed to visit with us. And uh, man, just two incredible people. That's right. You cannot spend 10 seconds with Jason and Angie and not w- mm-hmm. walk away encouraged. Mm-hmm. So for you, our listeners today, we know you're going to enjoy this, benefit from this. And we can't wait for you to hear from them, so hey with that, Jason Angie, let us just let you guys introduce yourselves briefly and share a little bit about yourselves, family church, just yeah, whatever you want to share wow i
2: am a little confused that if you were speaking about us with all those kind words there doug, I mean that's really really nice, and uh Tracy wrote it out for
0: me so I read it yeah. just like you, know,
2: you read it just like we wrote it, so good job, so uh no, we are excited to be here with you guys as well uh. Uh, just an opportunity to, to first of all, just to, to spend time with, again, people that we love, but also just an opportunity for us just to maybe encourage someone that's listening today as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we we love that opportunity. But Angie and I have been married for 31 years now. And um, yeah. of course, oh, we yeah. met you guys in college oh. and all of that good stuff. And so, uh, so you guys nice. have played a significant role in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's just really mm-hmm. it's really neat to see how God has still kept us connected as we do a kingdom work together.
3: Yeah, for sure. That's we love annoying. you guys and have some of the sweetest memories of you guys in college and then throughout life. And so I love and I love technology because even though it's just our voices on here, we actually get to see you as we're recording. So that's fun. Yeah.
0: Sure. No, that's makes great. us
3: miss
1: you even more, but yeah. this is good.
0: <laughs> well, I think what's special is, I mean, for all our throughout our friendship, we've definitely lived in different places a lot more than we've lived in the same spot and, and been together. But we've had chances to meet up, connect. I know, Jason, I think back to when you know, I was in youth ministry and you spoke at a couple of the things we did and just how meaningful and powerful that was to, to us and to our group. So those are some great memories. Hey, we thought it would be just fun uh, for us, at least, to uh, start off today by just sharing maybe one thing that that sticks out as a as a memory from our friendship, and uh, could be from DBU days, or it could be something else.
3: I'll I'll go first because the first time I met yeah. Jason, well, the first time we had a conversation because the first time I met him, I thought he was on like the um, facilities team, but the second time you and Jason came in, dug to the game room that I was um, working in at DBU, and you were there, and then. At one point, about an hour within the time, I think that you disappeared. But Jason and I stayed there for three hours that night. Um, but you were there at the very <laughs> beginning. So, Doug, yeah. there you, you go. Yeah,
2: you, you, you kind of put us together there, Doug. Thank you so. We appreciate. It. Yeah. I'm sure I was the. Thank you for leaving the game room so that I could then, you know, woo. Angie. So, anyway, you know, one of the things that I remember most is actually about Stacy because I'm in ministry. Really, I know God can do anything, but I'm really in ministry doing what I do today under the uh, encouragement of of then Stacy Bennett, who's yeah. now Stacy Get- yeah. Uh, because uh, Stacy was the one that talked me into participating in summer missions after my sophomore year in college
3: and moving our wedding
2: date. Moved our wedding date, but that's okay. <laughs> I remember awesome. Stacy encouraging me to serve with summer missions and of course we know how that story goes I I served 10 weeks in the Amarillo Texas area with college guys and Lord calls me to full-time local church ministry and so uh, Stacy played a huge role in, in in our ministry and and we probably have a significant wedding memory of oh, Doug yes. and Stacy as well do we not
1: Yes we all do Yes, You can tell
3: it, Angie. So Doug and Stacy are getting married and we are there and it's about an hour probably before the wedding and we're missing this important
1: part of the wedding.
2: It wasn't Doug. We it weren't missing Doug. Doug. The groom no. was there.
3: No,
0: I, was there. I, I was still there. That
1: was one of the questions I asked uh, when I realized something was missing is, is there a groom? And fortunately we were still good on that. He was there. But there were no flowers. Your florist had the wrong date. Right. Right? That's right. Yeah.
3: That's pre-internet
0: right. day. So, yeah. Pre all that technology. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. So, it was so crazy. So, I remember running to, I think, Michael's probably and grabbing, mm-hmm. like, begging them to buy the the sample bouquet out of the, like, they had it, like, guarded in this locked table. And anyway, I, <laughs>
1: saving the day.
0: That's
2: right. We like, had a wedding. We needed flowers. We needed and flowers. So, there you go. So <laughs> yeah. lots. And of it's so
1: funny because that's a great memory because you saved the day on that, Angie, because those are my favorite things or flowers. And once I flew, uh, threw the bouquet, we didn't have any flowers in the to to keep. But when we renewed our vows at 15 years, we got um, remarried, <laughs> renewed our vows in an arboretum. Um, so we had flowers everywhere.
0: We went so, to where the flowers were. So they yes, could not but, show up. But That's I right.
1: think you got your money back and you used it for your honeymoon. I did. So that was fun. We did.
0: And I don't know if we ever paid you for the flowers at Michael's. I we did not
1: We discovered that recently. And Uh-oh. I think it might make a little wedge in our friendship. There is a settle charge. Yeah, you will be getting that
0: invoice. No Absolutely. bitterness.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> With interest. That might be kind of, kind of tough. Um,
1: yeah. I was, I was Angie's RA, which is so funny. She's just a little bit older than me. But they put me on the hall that was loud and crazy because they thought, okay, she'll be able to you know, get these people to settle in a little bit like that. And we just all got louder together. So that was a fail for them, but we, we had a blast. We
3: had a fun, a fun haul and you would just come and sit yes. down and then act like if somebody came in and were telling us to be quiet, you act like you were there to tell us to be quiet. So that's right. Another that's fun right. fact that's I think right. that I love is that we actually lived in y'all's house. You lived in Duncanville and you told a to right? And yes. We, yes. her birthday's what day? Is it July second? July tenth. July tenth. And then I had Madison July second the next year, but you guys moved and we moved into your house.
2: We bought your house. So we both that's had our right. first
3: daughters. Or
0: rented it.
3: Rented.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rented it. Yeah. We did, that's right. Yeah. We both yeah, we both brought kids home. Yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember speaking of weddings, I was in your wedding and I had broken my ankle like two weeks earlier. Yep, And I was on this big cast on my leg and I don't remember much of your wedding because I was so focused on just not falling off that little step I was standing on and, and, (laughs) you know, collapsing in the middle of your wedding because I was off balance with this cast on my leg. You
3: did uh, so good. Yeah,
0: that was fun. (laughs) fun. Well, hey, and I I, one one final thought and we'll jump in the interview. I was thinking about this and I got to write the question. So I had the most time to think about it. But I was thinking about, and probably I've never told you this, Jason, but I remember the very first meeting I ever, or time I ever met you. And Jason and I both played baseball uh, for a couple of years in college together. Jason was much better than me. But I remember the first time I met Jason, I, we walked onto the field, and we were part of a really good team, and they had been really good before we got there. And I remember just being very intimidated, and kind of stepping onto the field for the first time, And here I looked out and and here was Jason, same as me, a freshman, already just kind of commanding respect and just, you could tell he was a leader right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And he was, and I mean this sincerely, he was the kind of person that you were just naturally drawn to. And it was us as freshmen being drawn to him as kind of a leader of our group. But really I noticed it was even upperclassmen on that team that, you know, his, his, his performance on the field, command and respect, but two, just his personality and leadership abilities and just the way he can be, draw people um, together for a purpose. I think, Jason, I saw that when we were 18 in our very first probably encounter with each other. And I think God has used that throughout your ministry and mm-hmm. um, your life to impact literally thousands upon thousands of people. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to get to spend a few moments with you guys today to um, kind of hear from that. And as we jump in, I just was thinking, you know, the direction for our talk and this interview was really just, I said, it's this, is I know that these two people love God and they right. love people right. and and they have a heart for the hurting and for those that have ex- broken, experienced brokenness in their lives. And I think, you know we thought who better to speak into the mission we have which is to share hope and encouragement for those who struggle with mental illness and to those who love and support them mm-hmm. and so i think those two things align so we really just wanted to hear from you and, uh, and just hear your hearts on that and and your experience too as you minister and lead a church and and lead many ministries to many people um just how that plays out in your lives and, and in your ministry and, and what you guys do so Let's with that, let's just jump in and we want to hear from you. So yeah. let's we're going to we're going to get you guys some questions and turn it over to y'all.
1: I guess one of the first things we want to know is in the community that you live in, right outside of San Antonio in a smaller community where you run into people probably frequently if not every time you leave your home, and everything, what have you noticed is going on in your community in the last couple of years with COVID and just different things like that? Kind of what's the morale? What's what is kind of the the feel in, in everywhere that you go and you, in your church all the way out into your community.
2: Yeah. I I think uh, you, 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 you shared a little bit there, that kind of something uh, that accelerated what I think is an already current issue with, with mental health. Um, COVID definitely Mm -hmm. has accelerated, um, you know, issues and difficulties with so many people. Uh, just in itself, but but to be honest with you guys, we were even prior to COVID. There was just a keen awareness that you know the mental health issues that so many people struggle with uh, and face. It, it was already very present even in our community. You know, we we live in a community that that from the outside looks like everybody has it all together, right? Um, um, I, I always like to say that that we struggle. We have an illness in our community called. Affluenza, <laughs> you know, uh, it means that people <laughs> yeah. are pretty affluent, and 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 we That's, know yeah. the struggles and difficulties that can come trying to keep up a certain lifestyle or what have you. So, I, I definitely think, Stacy, that that COVID has accelerated and even magnified some of the mental health issues. But to be honest with you, I think it was already currently there. Uh, another sidebar is I'm also the chaplain for our police department. And so I was already in that arena also dealing with officers that deal with issues, PTSD type situations and how do you mm-hmm. unsee things and deal with trauma and things of that such. And so so for us, although COVID has accelerated it and maybe magnified it from a cultural perspective, for us, even in the local church, we've we've seen it for quite some time.
3: Yeah, for years, sure. For sure. But I, I definitely think the last two years have, um, like you said, accelerated. And I remember when the first time we went all went into quarantine and I just remember telling Jason like, oh my goodness, the enemy is having a field day right now. He is just so excited because you could just tell that the loneliness and the depression and um, just... Uh, the comparison and the fear and just all of that, that people just normally face. But then when you have any type of mental illness that you're dealing with, that it just accelerates it. And so um, it has been really, really hard to, to watch. And I don't think there's any family who has been, um, who has not been affected by that in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form. And so yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think in that that aspect, there maybe has brought, I hate to say, I hate to say normalcy to it. But it's not like in the past where sometimes people would say, "Oh, ment- mental illness," and act like they had never dealt with that. It's it's right. much more talked right. about, um, mm-hmm. kind of out there more. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, it's something we've just a couple of things I've just seen or heard in the last few weeks. Even I saw something that shared. Uh, it was a report on ABC that talked about how uh, hospitalizations for eating disorders increased uh, three 300% or by threefold during the course of the pandemic. And, uh, of course, that's close to our lives and our experience, and we know a lot of people that have walked that road or are walking that road. And two, I can't, I can't remember which it – was, it was a well-known speaker. I can't remember who it was now off the top of my head, but she was talking on a podcast or a message or something, and she essentially said – she was at a recent event with several thousand young adults, probably mostly people in their 20s. And she just opened with a question saying, you know, who here struggles or battles with anxiety? She said it was practically every hand in the auditorium just was raised, like yeah. every single one. It just seems to be an epidemic of anxiety and, and all, all kinds of different issues. So, yeah. well, what are some things, uh, Jason and Angie, that, that you see maybe in your church or as you interact with pastors and and across your city and across the country, maybe that you see that things that you think, oh, they're doing well to support those who struggle with mental illness or, or the families of those people that struggle with mental illness? Just a couple of things maybe that, are, that you see churches doing really well.
3: One, one of the things we did during the quarantine aspect when everything was shut down, one of the things we did as a church was we I drew in about three other three licensed professional counselors because I am not a licensed professional counselor. Um, and I quickly will refer people to them. However, we, I just felt like the necessity to bring them in and, you know, we had moms that were becoming, or moms and dads who were quickly becoming homeschooled teachers. Um, We had people who, you know, families who were used to being apart and maybe a mom and dad with, you know, separated with this kid and this kid and not really spending a lot of time in the home together. And all of a sudden everyone is there all the time together all the time. Right. And so that itself can create lots of problems. And so we went through a thing and we just did some little podcasts kind of like this, of just talking about different aspects of that. And it was super helpful because again, it, it made you feel normal. You know, the, the fears that you have that um, it just made you realize like, Oh, I'm not the only one dealing with that because I think that that isolation aspect of it can make you, even it, you even become harder on yourself when you think you're the only mm-hmm. one facing those type of things. Yeah.
2: And I've seen a shift also in the local church when it comes to um, missions spending. You know, m- just about every church in America has a, a line item in their budget called benevolence, and really those monies are set aside to help families that are in need of food, clothing, shelter, car repairs, mm-hmm. maybe a hospital visit, whatever. But what we've seen, especially over the last really three to five years in in our church, especially, we we have designated monies more along the lines for mental health um, assistance. Um, And and what we've seen is is actually offering more monies for counseling and professional Mm -hmm. health patient care, all of that, that wow. has been a major shift for us. Whereas, you know, maybe 10 to 15 years ago, that was something really not even thought of in a, in a church. But for us, mm-hmm. we, we've we seen the need for that. And so we, we have amped up our game when it comes to financially coming alongside of people to really help them yeah. get the help that they need. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so that's been oh, a yeah. shift for us. And well, that's
0: to huge workplace. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so encouraging, Jason. Because I think that is—that's the barrier for so many families is the financial piece of it, and and it's you know we've shared that as part of our story how for many many years, you know whether it be just insurance that wasn't um, maybe as good as we have now or or different things, it becomes a challenge and just trying to find a way to get the help you need can be really hard. So it really, really shouldn't be know.
1: seen as like a privilege. No. To get help, but it really is um, and has been. Um, we're often asked, you know, if I've had anorexia for 30 years, why did I just go to treatment a few years ago? And, you know, it's because, yes, you have to have the money to do that, but should it be that hard for you to get it when if you had maybe something else, which I don't usually name anything else because I haven't had that and I don't want to pretend I have, but it would, the money would have just been here. It would have just been there, you know, and rightly so, but rightly so in this also. And so that's just something that's coming along with education to people going, you know what? Mental illness isn't necessarily someone who is sitting somewhere in a straitjacket, right? It is. But it's also in our homes and our families. And it's not any um, lesser of a diagnosis, but it does mask itself to look differently in different ways, all needing treatment. Yeah. Right? So. And,
2: and I think it's okay for us in the church to let people know it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's okay. And, and, and there is no shame in admitting, hey, I need help, yeah. you know, or I'm mm-hmm. just in a dark place right now, or I'm dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, we've got great families in our church and 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 whether that be eating disorders or some some other mental health type of of issue they're experiencing and so it's no respecter of you know Anything. your of your family <laughs> or your origin or your upbringing and so I think that it's okay for us, the a message that we as the church need to continue it's okay to not be okay right yeah. And, yeah. and there's no shame
1: in 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 saying hey I need some help here you know what I mean that's exactly what needs to happen because, you know, something I shared early on in our podcast and something when I speak that I always challenge uh, the pastors with and different things like that is, is a person, including the people who are ministering, should never feel lonely in their own body of Christ. That's right. Yeah. And that is shifting. And for the positive, I'm sorry that we need to, but yet if the whole goal is to draw people to God. And if it's through depression, through anxiety, eating disorder, whatever it may look like, you know what, that's the ultimate goal. And so I'm I'm thankful to hear y'all say these things, Angie and Jason, because, you know, for years and years, not in a bitter way, resentful way, but something that spurred us on to talk about these things is that I was so lonely and so out of place in church for so long. A matter of fact, I kind of wore the shame, yeah. you know, yeah. of the family in, you know, per se, um, because it was more noticeable what I was going through and everything. And so now I don't want to feel like I'm in a big pool of people by any means. But, you know, if that's what time and life has brought to us, then let's use it for gl- glory to God and bring people into um, our churches with it. Right. right? Well, yeah, and ultimately so. that is who
3: Jesus is came for right if you think about as you read the gospels i mean a lot of the things i think that is named in scripture um probably was actually mental illness you know a lot of the things that he healed people from is what they would what we would now look at and say oh my goodness that that was mental illness that he was dealing with and so um you know i i, just, I think that we need to love people right where they're at yeah Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I and I think that I appreciate what what you guys are saying and doing because I think it's such a the the pastors help set that culture and they set that culture for the church to to give people the freedom to, as you said, Jason, to say I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think for so long, and, and all of us were brought up and in, in, in churches, and and you kind of get conditioned to think I've got to put on my Sunday best, not only my clothes, but just you know everything from how i look and how our family looks and you know the classic story of the fa- the family on the drive to church fighting like cats and dogs and the second they step out in the parking lot everything's great right. you know and i think it's it's good when when people hear and it's not just hearing the message but the culture of the church is saying it's okay to be real it's okay to be your real self and and i mean we're not hiding from god right we think we're maybe hiding from others we're not hiding from him and so and so that's um, a powerful place that I think that's where healing can start for many, many people. Yeah, for sure.
1: I think that the church is getting better in some ways. I really do. And I want to acknowledge that and um, and have people hear me say that because some of you listening may feel like, you know what, I've done the church thing and it didn't work for me. I felt judged um, and I felt like... Um, that nobody got me. And so as a result, I'm not going to try that again. Um, I've gone to church during times when um, I, like we said a minute ago, couldn't find anybody who I felt like was talking about anything I was going through all the way to now. They're not just acknowledging it and validating it and addressing it, but they're saying, please come because this is where you need to be. Also, um, I see that the church is not ignoring it. I can remember when I was super sick when we were in the ministry and I was sitting on the corner uh, and looking at a red light, and to the left was a church on the corner, and they had the sign that would you know scroll through all the care ministries that they had. They had celebrate recovery. They had divorce care. Um, they had drug and alcohol abuse care. Just all these things going through, and I go, God, I, um, I am so bad that what I have going on in my heart and mind, my fear of food, and my inability most days to get out of bed, even to pick up my kids from school, that will never be something in the church because it's just so bad. It's so wrong. I'm a Christian and my heart hurts so bad and I don't always know how to live. How many times have I attempted to have, um, you know, cuts on my body and suicidal tendencies and, my husband's a minister and i don't even know how to walk into church because all these other things are being addressed but will mine ever mm. or will it just always be considered be a hushed thing and um you know i want to say it's not anymore and i want to say that it's not because only of covid um i think that churches were rounding some of some churches were rounding the corner and um so with that, I wanted to say good things are happening. I feel like even pre COVID, but what are some improvements that y'all are seeing um, as ministers? Well, I think the willingness to talk about
3: it um, is mm-hmm. one thing, and I, as you were saying, all those things, Stacey, I think that um, one of the I think that's a lie that we believe is that we that everybody else has it together or that this problem that you're facing with an eating disorder and the suicidal thoughts and cutting. Oh my goodness. We were at youth camp this summer and there were so many cases of kids who are cutting mm-hmm. and it's a, it's, it's, you know, in my brain, it's a way of sometimes people trying to get control of something mm-hmm. and, uh, and they don't know what else to do. Right. And so I think that it it is a bigger issue and it has been for a very long time. Um, And, and I'm just, I don't know what the thing is that makes it makes the church finally maybe face it, except that I'm so glad and in praising God that it's out there, you know, and that, that we are taking those steps to, not make people feel like it's this taboo subject because the reality is it's probably more common than a lot of the other things you were talking about, even yeah. in most sure. Yeah,
1: I've been actually taken to camp mm-hmm. <laughs> because I because it's so rampant, um, and so and been the one to not be the actual minister there, but just saying, hey, I love you. I care about you. And they're more open to that sometimes and going, let's, why don't we start taking off all those bracelets that are all the way up your forearm? Mm -hmm. As much as it is hidden, it can also be a cry for help. It can be both.
2: You know, one of the things that I think is also important in the church uh, to really help address and and put people at ease where they can really be themselves and honest about it is that we as leadership need to be honest as well. You know, again, Mm -hmm. feeling like um, we are impervious or that we've got it all together. And and I gotta be honest with you. I'm just as jacked up as the people I'm speaking to on most of the time, (laughs) sometimes even worse. They'll tell you that. But, but, but I think, and Doug, you've, you've sat where I sit before in a leadership position in the church and, and, and I just think that even as more and more leaders become transparent and honest about even their mm-hmm. feelings, I, I think that that opens up the doorway for our people that are sitting in the pews or chairs every Sunday to also be transparent and honest yeah. as well. And so I, I really do believe that there is a shift. Stacy. going back to something you said, I do think the pandemic is, you know, a lot of pastors are are coming out, you know, meaning that <laughs> hey, we're not we're not OK. And we're struggling mm-hmm. with things, and so I think that that again leadership plays a role also in 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 laying a a, a, a foundation that it's okay, guys. Listen, because this is what I deal with uh, a, as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's so important, Jason. You guys know um, Brenda Elliott, she's a, a friend of ours, and we we interviewed her earlier this this season. And one of the things she talked about a lot of her work is a she has a counseling practice that works particularly with churches across the DFW Metroplex is that she's more and more pastors are opening up and talking about their own work with the therapists they may be doing. Mm -hmm. And I I think the pressures on a pastor and a spiritual leader and someone dealing with so many people and so many issues. And just like you said, I mean, it's, it's just like the, it's only been magnified during COVID, the pressures on, on, on being a pastor that I think if a pastor feels comfortable and if a church can can give their pastor the freedom to be open and say hey I'm getting I, I meet with a therapist on a regular basis you know to 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 talk through just even as a leader just to say I need help I need help managing this stress or all these demands from all these different places that it also gives their people the freedom but it's 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 a back and forth the people in the church need to give their pastor the freedom to say it's not okay without running him out of town on a rail, you know, like, well, this this guy has to be on a pedestal and has to be perfect. But also I think the pastor can lead into that by being open about it. But it takes a lot of courage. It takes courage to even be able to share that. But it, it you know, when the leader is willing to admit, hey, it's okay to get help and I'm getting help in this area, I think it really does give so many people, there's so much power that, that, that that message has that he probably didn't even realize it's how it's affecting yeah. them. Right. Well, no, another real thing that I think the church
2: does, it should do extremely well better than any other environment in our culture is create community for people right? And yeah. getting,
3: you a lot about that. Yeah, getting
2: people connected and plugging them into relationships one with another. That's the thing mm-hmm. about the, the the pandemic is this this isolationism that we experienced, you know, uh, even mm-hmm. people that probably didn't struggle with any mental health issue probably soon developed it yeah. just by being isolated. So one of the things, again, and that's one of the, the tenets of the church is we need to be connected one with another. We need to mm-hmm. develop community. And so I think that those churches that really foster healthy community. Doug, going back to even what you spoke of where there's honesty and transparency, Mm -hmm. I I just think that that um, is, it it helps. It's gonna help an individual that's struggling.
1: Angie, something that you said that I wanna kind of circle back to that we're still on is that what does it take for us to realize that something's a problem? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what stops us in our tracks is loss. Yeah. And what we want to do is we want the reason why one of the reasons why we speak out about this and talk about community, Jason, is that we want to be intentional on this so that we can stop the loss from happening and people can become whole.
0: You know, one description that Jesus used to describe his ministry um, was that as being a hospital for the sick. Uh, Jason and Angie, as pastors, what are some ways you're leading your church, 1910 Church, to be a place of help, to be a place of refuge from those maybe that are broken, that need anything from encouragement all the way to deep counsel? What are what are some specific things you guys are doing?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, Doug, just starts with the, your DNA and, and how you receive people, you know. Uh, first of all yeah. for, for us, it's it's a big deal when people pull onto our church campus. For them just to to get up and come to an event that we do and to drive on our campus, get out of the car and walk through the door, that's a win for us. And so we we work really hard trying to celebrate their presence. Uh, we want yeah. them to see the joy that Jesus can give a person. Um we we want to make that infectious. You know, the the apostles in the book of Acts were were, were known as as men that had been with Jesus, right, and so we we want to send that same vibe, and we want we want people to say, "Hey, whatever you have, I want." Right, and so I think it starts with just the culture, the environment you set. The a, a smile goes a long way with someone. You know what I'm saying? And, and that whole idea of being genuine and authentic. Don't fake it, but but genuinely be excited to to see people, and and then our goal is always to. To create environments where people know that they have been in the presence of something greater than themselves. Now, for okay. us as believers, that means we want them to encounter the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. We want them to encounter His presence because He is so much greater than anything I'm capable of. And so, so I think being purposeful in creating, you know, spirit-led, spirit-intentional environments, loving on people, sharing the joy and enthusiasm that we have when they walk onto our campus, uh, this idea of transparency and honesty. And then Doug, one of the things that we do at the end of every one of our services is we have prayer and ministry time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got an equipped team of people that are prepared uh, for really just about anything that someone might come down to the front with. And, and this is at the conclusion of our service. So it's not an altar call. Uh, it's as people are leaving, people are also coming towards the front for ministry. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, we, but we want people to know that we truly care. And so we make ourselves available to just pray with them and encourage them. We stay with them as long as it takes. We, we have a ministry within our church called Restoration Prayer, mm-hmm. in which an individual can come and spend, um, an hour at least with two or three other individuals and just pray and maybe try to uncover some of the hurts, the pains, the the things going on in their mind, uh, and just really, really praying with and helping a person discover what might be some of these um, difficult things in their mind uh, but then moving them towards healing, of course, with the presence of God and the word of God. And yeah. so those are some specific things that we are are, are very conscious about when, when when people come on onto our campus. But it's interesting, you know, again, Angie alluded to it earlier. Jesus came for people like that. Yeah. He didn't come for people that had it all together. He came for the right. broken, the lonely, the right. outcast, the sick, the lame. He mm-hmm. came for those people, and so Doug, to your reference there, Jesus would say it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. Right. Hello. That's you all know? of us. Yeah. So getting Last back to, to to the reason Jesus came, that's Bible, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's it's right there in the church's name. I mean reference real quickly where, where the name nineteen ten came from. Yeah, it's our purpose verse. Go ahead. Yeah,
3: it's our purpose verse. It's Luke 1910, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. And you know that I, I, I was thinking about that, I mean that's that's our mission. That's if any if you ask anyone in our church what does the name mean, they automatically can tell you and they're quoting scripture, right? And um the other thing I was thinking about when Jason was talking about the way our churches one of the main things is we love to worship you know and i believe that i mean even in the old testament the worshipers were who led the battle right and this is a battle that we are facing and and there's a a mental battle and it's wrapped in a lot of times with a spiritual battle as well and mm-hmm. so we have to worship to get through the battle, right. And to win the battle, we're going to have to worship our way through it. And, um, so worship is a really big deal to us. And, you know, I can, I mean, we've had a really hard year in our life here. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of loss, a lot of disappointment. Um, and the one thing that I'm like, one one week I, I even like, I pulled my back, like in this random way, right before service. And Jason was like, just stay in my office. You can stay here. And I was like, no, I am going out and I am worshiping. I am showing the enemy that I am worshiping the King of Kings. And, and I'm going to show people as we're walking through this loss, that worship is the only thing that gets me through, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I think is just, Um, I I love to tell people, you know, we have to take every thought captive. That's what scripture says, right? Taking every thought captive. And sometimes that, that is a, an every 15 seconds taking it captive. It might be every, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, but really everything that we're facing, taking it back to the Lord. And just, I mean, I, I honestly don't know how people get through life without without Jesus. Yeah.
2: You know, scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we can help people create these moments where maybe their mind goes off of themselves or their issue or their problem. And it's difficult. I know. I wish I could snap my fingers sometimes and and get people there, but it's a process. It's difficult. But somehow if we can get people to set their mind on things above, you know what I'm saying? Um, there's a better chance for healing. There's a better chance for breakthrough to come their way. It's not easy. And I know that God can do anything instantaneously and he can, but I know that it's a journey and it's a process. And so we try to create those moments, whether that be through worship, through prayer, through the word, through just trying to get people to set their mind on the Father.
1: That's so true. And I'm really glad you addressed that, Jason, because something that we've mentioned before on the podcast um, is that people take it real personally when they pray for you and you're not instantly healed. They forget it's, oh, I forgot. It's not about me and my prayer. Mm -hmm. It's about God's timing in your life and um, your relationship with him and him drawing you very close to him. And for everybody that looks different. Sometimes I am honestly a little bit jealous when i see that happens mm-hmm. to somebody mm-hmm. when i've seen them healed and god has chosen a different road with me as of now mm-hmm. um but does that make my faith in him need to waver no i'm still here which is a miracle in itself Amen. and to so many of you listening it's a miracle that you're still here so we don't take that lightly and that is such a win for god and his people when we see people not successful in what their plan was to do, Um, because we don't know what's best for us. God knows what's best for us. And so that is always a win. For those of you who are listening, the fact that you're alive and breathing right now is such a win, because I know that my mind literally screams all day long. Mm -hmm. And so when Doug and I lay down at night, he knows I'm beyond exhausted because it's been a fight. A fight, a fight, a fight all day. Worship music playing loud. My friend Lori will often say, play the music loud, play it really loud, because we want to drown out the lies that are going on in my mind and everything. So thank you for addressing that. I do appreciate it. And Stacy, I will just tell you that as I have um,
3: over the last few years, just really since your book came out, um, that has been a really great resource for me. Your podcast is a great resource for me um, when I work with women and men, but mostly I work with women um, who are facing mental illness, eating disorders. It's just been a it's been a really big encouragement. Um, it's been a great resource for me to give moms of you know when they're dealing with their kids um, and their daughters who are facing things. And so I want you to know that 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 even though this has been such a hard journey to to watch you walk out. God has used it in such a huge, Mm -hmm. miraculous way in countless lives. And even though you're still seeing the ashes of it, I see the beauty in it as well.
1: Thank you. This Thank you. is not a, this is
2: not a, this is not a plug that Doug and Stacy asked me to give either. But uh, no. we do have her book in our resource store at the church campus. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a pastor or a leader in a local church, you need that book in your store because it's gonna minister to someone big time. So just go and order dozens of copies of it right now. <laughs>
0: Hundreds,
1: hundreds. hundreds. Yeah. Y'all have no idea how much that means yeah. to me because um, yeah,
0: that does mean a lot.
1: I appreciate you very much. Thank well, you. I think
0: we, we rest on that passage in 2 Corinthians often where it says, you know, the apostle Paul begged for God to take whatever struggle he was having away, and God didn't take it away, but right. said, you know, my power is made perfect in, in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And it's through yeah. our weaker moments that you know, we're better at shining a light on God instead of ourselves. And I think because of that, you know, um, for many people and for us, it's been a long process and not an immediate solution, but I think a lot of people connect with that and can, can see that. And, and that, that helps a lot of folks.
1: Yeah. Thank y'all. Well, as, um, as you address the needs of those struggling with mental health, um, What role does pastoral counseling play in this ministry, in your ministry? Um, What does that look like? Um, And how do you know when it's time to refer somebody to a professional counselor, counselor? Because, you know, it's ironic that a lot of pastors have never had to or have never been required to take counseling classes or anything like that. And yet that's a large part of what you find yourself doing and you become so good at it but there's also a lot of um, liability and different things. Let's, you know, that goes along with that. So, what do you do? What do y'all do? For me, um, I,
3: I probably deal end up dealing with more. Well, Jason deals a lot with like PTSD. He works a lot with our um, police department. And um, but for me, with with women, um, a lot of times it's it's one one visit, like one session with them. And I quickly know (laughs) if this is beyond me, there are some things that I think can be, um, corrected, not corrected. That's not the right word. Um, I can refer people to God's word and if they'll just, you know, maybe change some things in their lives and, and do that. But, but so many times I would say 90% of the time, it's more about, they need to get some professional help of some sort and they need to have someone who is a professional counselor in that certain area. And not every counselor is good for every subject, right? Right. No. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a a widow friend who was going for trauma stuff and for, for, um, You know, for being just just going through the process of being a widow, and the girl that she was going to, that wasn't her. That wasn't where she was her forte. Um, and so, and she had told her, "This isn't. This isn't where I'm my strengths." And yeah. so, when she, she was able to switch to a different counselor, then that counselor was able to give her tools that would help her. And I do think there's something about when we make a, an investment, even if it's a small investment, in seeing. A counselor, whatever we we kind of listen to it a little bit more. Whereas they could come to the church and they are just like, okay, I'm not going to do that. But if they're paying, if you're paying somebody, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do what they're telling me to try. You know,
2: I I think for for pastors, we just got to get to that place where we understand we're not the expert in all things, and so we need to humble ourselves. We need to lay aside our pride and just say, you know what, I'm probably not the right Person for you, mm-hmm. but I want to get you connected somewhere. There's a lot of things we learn in Bible school, seminary, and all that, and and a lot of us, to your point, Stacy, we're just not geared and prepared to adequately help someone. So I, mm-hmm. I think that pastors and leaders need to understand their strengths and also their weaknesses, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, we've got to be more concerned with with getting getting people to the the proper professional.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason, I want to ask you this. Because I know this has been such a big part of yours and Angie's lives over the last few years, and I'll never forget. I think it was about five years ago. Um, got a got a message. I probably saw it on Facebook. As you were just, you know, Angie was trying to get the word out through uh, the church and and different all your different networks of people to pray for you. But um, as a fairly young man, just out of nowhere, you had a pretty significant stroke. And as a result of that, you guys, you and you guys together as a couple have have walked a recovery journey of that for the last several years. And I know it's been a huge part of your life. Um, and, and and maybe for those that are listening that are on a recovery journey of their own, maybe if, if it's even related to mental illness, it's not quite exactly the same possibly as a stroke. But I would think there's lots of lessons you have learned and going through something you didn't expect, you weren't necessarily ready for. It's been your, your story and you've had to do it. Um, just what are maybe some things you would want to share that both of you that you've learned along this way that could maybe encourage somebody else as they walk their, their recovery journey?
2: Yeah, well, I, again, I want to start with, and, and there's not one that's greater than the other, but I just want to encourage somebody with this one. Miracles are real. They really do happen. And for someone that's maybe listening, you feel like you're too far gone or your situation is too hopeless. I want to encourage you, you hang on to Jesus because I've experienced through a stroke. Again, I'd never been in the hospital. Doug, as an athlete, you know how many times we've had physicals and things of that such. And I'm telling you, it hit me. And that Friday morning when I woke up and I just did not know what was happening. But in the process of of just being calm, trusting God, Medical uh, help and just trusting God, uh, I discovered, and I've seen miracles, but I experienced it personally. Yeah. That miracles are real, and so I just want to encourage someone with that first and foremost. Sure. Um, as you as you deal with things, knowing that that anything it, a breakthrough is coming, and as Stacy alluded to, you just hang on, you stay faithful uh, in that that moment. And and you know another thing for for me that I just d- live in the moment and and don't take life for granted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, sure. Celebrate where you're at right now. Um, enjoy family. Enjoy community. Enjoy the gifts that you do have. Um, you know, I, as you're laying in a hospital bed in neuro ICU, you have a lot of time to really think about those types of things. And so so I just I, I just want to encourage somebody. Uh, with that, and 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 doing, doing what Stacy's doing and what you guys are doing, uh, I, I think that God God takes us through situations in life so that not, He can refine us absolutely, but also so that we can in turn be a blessing to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so, I would just encourage one. tell your story. Tell, tell your story about what God has done in your life and how he stepped in and how he's seen you through, how you've grown, how you've gotten to know him a little bit better. Be honest, be raw, be real. This is what I was feeling and I was mad, frustrated, but, yet, but then God steps in and he just changes things. So I, mm-hmm. I just, those are a few of the things. And, and I've got a long list, Doug. I could preach a sermon. Maybe that could be <laughs> another episode or. or uh, yeah. We'll bring
1: you back. Yeah. Actually, well, we're going to definitely uh, bring back. We do
2: have it on our web website of our church, 1910church.com. Uh, you can find my story there. But yeah. but I just want to encourage someone today that, you know what? Hey, none of us are immune from the difficulties of life, are we? No. In fact, doesn't he yeah. even say in this world, you will have trouble?
3: Yeah, but yeah. take
2: heart, he says, I've overcome it. And so we're not immune from it. And so I think a, a foundation of a, a faith in Jesus Christ gives us the best chance as we face the difficulties yeah. that come our way.
3: Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. Well, we can't tell you how glad we are that you have come through this. That's and, right. Uh, though we've had to, to, to watch some of this from, from a distance, we know It's not been easy, and we really respect all you guys have experienced and gone through. So, Angie, anything you'd want to share? I know as as a loved one, as a spouse, for watching your husband go through that, that uh, for those that kind of walk alongside their loved one who are battling maybe mental health or mental illness, anything you learned that you'd want to share?
3: Yeah, I mean, just I think letting people know that you need help, um, letting people know that they you know, that you need prayer. Um, prayer does change things. I truly believe that. And it may not completely make it go away, but it, it changes things And prayer can bring a peace to you. Um, just when you don't know what else you're going to do. And that, that scripture that talks about peace, um, that is beyond understanding, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. You're walking through this and you just have this peace and that's, I mean, that's what we experienced with Jason's stroke. Um, and that's what we've experienced this year through some different difficulties is just the peace of Jesus. And again, it doesn't mean that everything is is perfect around you, but but Him carrying you through whatever you're going through. And I know, Stacey, you have felt that way and you, Doug, as well, um, just yeah. like sometimes going through things and you're like, I don't even know how I'm standing but mm-hmm. the Lord is carrying me through it. So, so prayer, asking people for it. And then just really, you know, enjoying, even, even in the hard thing, enjoying the moment of just being together and um, trusting that no matter what, the Lord is going to see you through it.
2: Yeah. And that's yeah. Yeah. You know, Doug, in, in Psalm chapter 127, verse two, it says, God gives rest to his loved ones. And so our our prayer today is just that, that, that someone who's maybe facing a difficult time would just trust God and know that rest in Him and in His presence and in His way and in His timing. I'm telling you, He's going to break through. He's going to break yeah. through and bring your healing. So you just hang on to Jesus. That's Thank right. you, guys. Thank you for
1: that. Y'all are two of the most encouraging people that, We've ever known and Doug hit on that at the beginning, but that's just really important to me and uh, any place along the journey that we've been when we've seen you guys at homecoming or a debut baseball game or just picked up the phone or just anything like that. I've always known that you weren't going to be like, I really expected you to be further along than this. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that I've feared from people that we've known through this long of our life and, um, because I thought I would be in a different place right now. And, um, I'm just thankful for so many things right now. But one thing is, is that I know there are people out there like y'all who, um, are an encouragement to people like me. And, um, what would you say to somebody that is battling depression and anxiety um that you come across, whether it be in your community or directly in your church um what's something that you would say to me, somebody like me?
3: Well, I would say it's a journey, you know, and um we live in such a microwave world we want everything to happen super fast and not everything does and so mm-hmm. to give yourself grace um mm-hmm. to give you know yourself just time. And, um, just to know, to understand that it, it's probably not going to be fixed overnight, but what are mm-hmm. the steps today that you can take? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often am like, Hey, if it's, it's moment by moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what, just giving ourselves grace, we're so hard on ourselves and, and asking again, again, I can't live my life without the Lord. I, I don't want to ever know how to do that without him. And so to me, Jesus is a huge, um, a huge part of my life. And so knowing that I have, I I have, um, the ability to go to the Holy spirit to, to just say, Hey, how do I get through this moment? How do I do this? Like really tapping into that and you tap into that through prayer and time with him mm-hmm. and through God's word. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. and so that, that's the biggest thing is grace, giving ourselves grace. And then again, if you're, if I'm talking to someone who is dealing with a family member, just loving them and giving them mm-hmm. grace yeah. and you know, helping them to find the right resources, like some of the things we've talked about tonight, you know, um, but just grace is a huge thing and mercy because that's what Jesus does. Yeah. He gives us all of that. Yeah.
2: And I would encourage people just to, to surround themselves with people that are life giving. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Again, yeah. Don't isolate but, but, but find someone that's going to be wind in your sails. Okay. Someone that's mm-hmm. going to push you forward. Someone that's going to encourage you. Okay. And, and, uh, I just think that that's needed in, in all of our lives, whether you're going through a difficult time or not, we just want to be around people like that. And, and again, I, I'm mm-hmm. a pastor. And so I'm always going to encourage people, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's mm-hmm. the goal, right? Let's forget what's behind. Let's press on towards what is ahead, right? Celebrate the moment right now, celebrate this moment. Yeah. Take that next step. Okay, don't try to figure it all out, but live moment by moment, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And and I believe that 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 is the best way to approach. That's just the best way to approach life. Period.
3: It is, and yeah, I also would say like you know we have such we're such in the social media world, right? And don't follow people that don't bring you joy. Like you don't have to follow right. people that bring you down or people that maybe make your anxiety go up. Like stop following them. You know you can hide right. stories yeah. and just don't go there. And mm-hmm. so um, for me, I my feed is filled with things that are life giving to me and things have and mm-hmm. um, and really that's the people that I surround myself with in my close circle. You know they're going to be people that are life giving because this world is hard enough, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And we, we often say, you know, a key to recovery is to do the next right thing and whatever that looks like, you know, in in your journey and your story, but do that next right thing. And I think that's what you guys are talking about right there. Just as you look ahead, don't look behind, look ahead and do the next right thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things as we close out each of our episodes and we talk to our guests is we always ask them this question. We just want to ask them and know, Hey, what is giving you hope right now? And as we enter this Christmas season, just what's something that's given you guys hope as as you look ahead these next few weeks, this, this year ahead, what does that look like?
3: Well, for me, we're with family right now, like my extended family. And so that's fun. Uh, and I decorated for Christmas already. We're, uh, um, I love that. I know. So I'm happy about that and I'll probably keep it up, you know, till February. So uh, that brings me joy. See, same thing. Yep. I'm with you. um, And so I I think just, just surrounding myself with things of joy and enjoying my family.
2: Absolutely. And I just have to remind myself that even though things look like they're falling apart all around us. None of this has caught God by surprise. Nothing has caught him off guard. And he still has a plan for it all, right? Come on. He brings Mm -hmm. beauty from the ashes. He's done Mm -hmm. that in our lives time and time again. If he's done it in the past, we believe he can do it again. So we need to be faithful because he is faithful, okay? And so hang Mm -hmm. in there. Hang in there. God has not left you. He's for you. He's for
0: you. He's faithful. And you trust in Him.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, guys, I hope I know that our listeners have have heard and have have felt what what we have felt and talked about for for thirty plus years now, right. and that you can't spend um, just a few minutes or seconds with these guys and not be encouraged. So right. we want to thank you for sharing yes. your time with us today and for sharing just this podcast with us. And uh, being able to uh, just share your story, share your experience, tell us what some things your church is doing and, and churches are doing. Hey, Jason and Angie, I want you guys to, to tell everybody how they can find you guys um, online. If they live in Bernie or the San Antonio area, how to how to find your church. If not, I know your sermons, your services are posted online. And two, you have a daily devotional on social media, which you offer called two good minutes. And I think it's just a shot of encouragement that wherever anybody lives in in America, across the world, they could, they could follow that and just, just receive that each day. So just we'll, we'll print all this in the show notes for our listeners. So you can, you can look it up and and find this information there, but just share with us how folks can find you. guys.
2: Yeah. So you'll find our church is at uh, www.1910church.com. That's 1910church.com. All of our messages are archived there, but we do live stream at 10 o'clock on Sundays. I have an Instagram handle. It is Pastor J Bro, Pastor J-A-B-R-O. Uh, and I do two good minutes, as Doug said, Monday through Friday. The thought of it is this, that in a world of negativity, couldn't we all use just two good minutes?
3: Or three or four. Yeah,
2: the problem is I never hit two minutes. It's always like four, four and a half. But but just a word of encouragement, Doug, is kind of a boost in the arm. Uh, where you can can listen, find us on Insta,
3: and my Instagram is Angie Bernie. So, and A N G B R O W N B O E R N E. Bernie yeah. is German, and it's spelled weird. So, yeah,
1: gotcha. uh, we yeah, we understand. Get zingers, not far off that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you guys would fit <laughs> in
2: in our community.
0: That's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right.
0: Well, we love you guys, mm-hmm. man. We we just can't thank you enough. So, right. And again, today, to all of our
2: listeners, to the person listening, reach out to someone. You're not alone.
0: Reach out. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's huge. Well, thank you guys. That's the best way we can end this right there. You are not alone. So we love you guys. Until next week, uh, we'll be back with the next episode for the Speak Out Loud podcast, and we will see you guys then. God bless y'all.